Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. Today we are covering Minute 19 with the song Little Darling by The Diamonds. And in this section, we have Toad and Debbie in the car with a little cameo appearance by Vic at Mel's Diner. And I am your DJ, Rachel Mummert. And I have a special co-DJ today. Yes, yes indeed. Uh, this is Murrin on the ones and twos. That's uh, more of a DJ thing, I guess. Uh, uh, it's Murrin from Ca- The Cast and the Furious and Point Break Minute. Obviously, you wanted me on here to talk about the cars because I'm such a gearhead. I, I, I always use premium at the gas station. That's That's what I do. Well, welcome, and thank you for being on our podcast today. Absolutely. So yes, as you mentioned, we start this minute out with a wonderful view of the outside of Mel's Diner with lots of cool-looking cars there. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh, I know I've talked about it in a previous minute, but it's just, that's one thing I always love about this movie, just just the cars. I mean, there's nothing like them today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a crazy thing. Uh, how you know why why don't we why when cars have been improved on technologically, you know, better handling, speed, you know, safety. You know, why why can't we make them look cooler? Mm, I know. Definitely like reached a peak at a certain point, and then it's just gone downhill from there. Yep. I drive a, a freaking box everywhere, a Scion XD. It's it's fine, but like, come on. I actually just just found out uh, I'm an actor. I'm going to be in this short film and, in a little bit. And I just found out my character drives a, like a 1930 Ford. Oh, wow. Because it, it takes place in like during the Prohibition. Oh, no. And I just found out we, we found a car. Uh, unfortunately, they won't let me drive it myself. But I oh, do get man. to pretend to drive it and get out of it and look cool. So I'm very excited for that. Oh, cool. <laughs> do you have any... Any memories of any uh, special cars in the past like you or your family had owned or remember? In real life, my parents and I uh, or I have never owned anything as nice as the cars in this movie or as uh, as beautiful. Uh, my mom had an old Fiat at one point. It was like kind of an 80s car looking car, I think. Yeah, I, I, that's from when I was really young, but I, I kind of have fond memories of that because it was a little more unique, at least, even if it wasn't mm-hmm. as quite as uh, as spectacular looking. Yeah, I haven't owned a car in real life that was that I've ever thought was particularly cool, but um, I certainly had a lot of toy cars. I was I was definitely a car kid. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of Hot Wheels, and I would build cars out of Legos, and I liked building cars with lots of features on them, like the the wings and the the big headlights and, uh, you know, make them really big and wide. So I definitely appreciated this. Uh, so kind of leads me right into, uh, I, I do have a story to go with this movie. Awesome. I actually, to, to be honest, I've only seen this movie once. I wanted to rewatch it. Uh, <laughs> I did not have time to before this. But I, uh, the time that I watched this movie, I had just gotten a dental operation. And I had some uh, drugs still in my system, and I was recovering. This was like the first, you know, the first procedure this big that I'd ever had in my life, where I had to get some some tooth stuff dealt with. Mm-hmm. And I it was the first time I'd ever been on any kind of like knockout drugs, and they gave me uh, an amnesiac as well. Oh wow! 
so I was I remember the night the night coming home after the surgery my parents rented two movies for me one was Gladiator and the other was American Graffiti Oh wow <laughs> And I always remember these two movies in that I don't remember them very clearly it feels like a dream mm-hmm. <laughs> like and even if I've re, you know I've, I've rewatched Gladiator maybe once but it's still kind of in my memory is just as a dream that I had. So that's my story with the American graffiti. And I was actually talking to my my co-host uh, on Cast and the Furious about American graffiti. I just mentioned I'd be a guest on this podcast. And he was like, oh, yeah, that is kind of a movie that parents show their kids at some point because it's a movie they would have had when they were younger. But it's also fairly harmless. There's not, uh, you know, you can show it to your kid and there's not, you know, there, there's implications as we'll get to in this min- these, uh, these couple <laughs> minutes. But it's nothing that's overt. You know, it's nothing that a kid would, would understand. And that's the good, yeah, because I, previous to doing this podcast, this was my introduction to this movie, so. Oh, your introduction was, was as this, to, to do the podcast was your first yeah. introduction to it? Because I mean, I've, I obviously I've known, ab- I grew up, you know, knowing about it, but I, it was just one of those I've always heard about but never seen. So yeah, it's kind of infamous as like, oh, that other movie George Lucas made before Star yeah, exactly. Wars. Exactly. Not not the not the THX, not that one, the other one. <laughs> but it is. It's one of those. Yeah, you can easily. It's like family friendly because it's it, it's kind of like you know with so. I'll say like Shrek or something where you can easily like watch it and you can enjoy it at an adult level. But there's also the safe, you know, all those innuendos and stuff will usually go right over the kid's head. So (laughs) totally. I I certainly have an appreciation of Shrek and I like hearing it put that way. Yep. (laughs) And so my first note on this, these few minutes we have is, well, first of all, I was like, Trying to understand, I, I every time I went over this section, I was like, Try, trying to understand what he was ordering. Yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, what? Be something burger, like a Mexi cal. <laughs> yeah, he he orders like a double chubby chuck, I think, and I yeah, kept yeah. wanting it to be a chubby checker or a chubby decker, <laughs> but I think it was a chubby chuck or something, and uh, and then something with chili, which I could not pick up. And that's what I was trying to, because I didn't know if it was chili or Mexicali or, and then like cherry Coke. <laughs> yeah, two fries, two cherry Cokes. Yeah. And it's just the uh, speaker, the drive through speaker. <laughs> yeah. Reminds, I kept, I was like, oh, flashes of Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic joke that the, you know, and of course now they, they've improved on it and you don't really get that in a drive through or a drive in as much. But yeah, back, back in the day, I'm sure it was a difficult, uh, you know, the connection wasn't so good. Yeah. You wouldn't understand. He's like, and then he just sort of gives up. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. That's what I, yeah. Yep, that's it's right. right. Whatever you said is right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like how the, I'm just thinking about, you know, overall the soundtrack and the songs for this movie. I like how, cause I covered the minutes previous to this, so it kind of fades in. You, you cut into Little Darling, and it's kind of part of the soundtrack but then it also becomes just the background music that in essence is playing you know outside at the diner itself so I like how it kind of combines both it's the soundtrack to the movie and to the whole the scene as a whole Mm -hmm. and I just this is a great soundtrack in itself I mean I kind of grew up listening to these kind you know this era of music Mm -hmm. 
And it's yeah. very good. It is very good. Do you think, uh, I didn't notice uh, one way or the other, but do you, are they listening to this music? Can they hear it in the movie? And that's what I kind of assumed when I was watching it. Because it, to me, it seems like the music fades into the scene and the music it's playing like on a radio station that is playing at the diner. That's kind of how I interpreted it. Yeah, that makes sense. I always, it's one of my favorite words to use, and I feel like I bring it up every time, is diegetic music in a movie. Yeah. I always find a way to talk about it and everything. I guess it's, it's you know, it's fairly common. But I, yeah, I agree. I, I like it when a movie can kind of have it, have it both ways, use it as, you know, it gets to be used as storytelling, um, both as score to create a mood for the audience and also to set time and place uh, for the character's yeah, and it's it's really really well done, and this it, it works really well, and really really creates a vibe. Yeah, and that was one unique thing I think to this movie. Like previous to this, the kind of timely music to this to when this movie is set, the kind of soundtrack that was used wasn't wasn't really heard of before, or you didn't use that as a kind of soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So that's an that that kind of started that whole trend of you know we we'll use music of the era that the movie set in as our soundtrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of songs and soundtrack, we'll ta- we can talk a little bit about the song for this section by the Diamonds called Little Darling. And it was released, I think I saw in 1959. And the Diamonds were basically the early 1950s and the early 1960s were when they were really prevalent. And they were actually, which I found interesting, was were they were a Canadian quartet. <laughs> oh. So that was quite nice. interesting. And they were signed to Mercury Records. And I had read where basically, you know, in the time that they were big, they were kind of signed on to cover a lot of songs that were maybe would have been written or originally performed by like people of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a trend in those days. Yeah, a lot of stations didn't want to play <clears throat> the songs by those artists. They had they had to. You oh, know. so it was almost a, like a a, a a setup thing where it was like, well, we like this is a good song, but we need some white people to do it. Do it. Yep, so exactly. You yeah. just get some band on your record to record label to do it, and then we can play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very sad. I know, because there's, uh, I would like to hear, I mean, it'd be neat to hear by the original <laughs> or how. Yeah, and I'm sure you could find it, but it's probably not as wide as widely known or, or easily available in a lot of cases. Yeah, because it reminds me of um, when I was listening to Indiana Jones Minute when they were covering Crystal Skull and they were talking about Hound Dog. And you, automa- you know, I automatically think like, oh, you know, Elvis Presley. And it actually was... Uh, it was really famous before then by, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a woman of color who made it famous. And that version is very, it's very good. It's different, but very good. And, it, yeah. <laughs> and with this song, they had obviously this song, Little Darling. They did a song called Silhouettes and a song called The Stroll. All right. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with this group. I, I kind of know music of this era kind of just as a generalization, I feel like. Like, I know it from movies, and I just kind of, I'll hear it here and there, but I, I don't know a lot of distinct details about it. I always enjoy it, though. Me too. <laughs> so now we can get a little more into the minutes themselves. 
So we have Toad and Debbie in the car at the diner. <laughs> and I love how he's automatic, or, you know, he's, this is his friend zone. He's very much friend zone <laughs> yeah. in this. <laughs> that was one of my notes. Yeah. It, well, I, I think, you know, they're, they're on a date, but it's pretty clear that she is interested in him for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not romantically, but to sort of, you know, take advantage and manipulate him a little bit <laughs> and use him for other things. But I'm sure he's he's happy. He seems to be kind of fine with it. You know, I don't know how how aware he he's probably. I I kind of feel like he's kind of aware of it, but he just doesn't care. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. I feel like he's you know he has the cool car for the time being, and now he has you know the cool girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get Vic in here popping his head in the window, talking to Debbie. And Vic is played by Joe Spano, which when I realize that. I had to go back and, you know, look again because I was like, okay, I can see that. I I recognize him mostly from NCIS. I've seen quite a few episodes of that. And I guess he was also in Hill Street Blues. I've never watched either of those shows. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, just scrolling over, seeing here, he was in Apollo 13. That's probably the only thing that I recognize him from. Quite a bit older at that point. Yeah, and in this, he reminds me just in looks and in mannerisms of Kaniki from Greece. Yeah, <laughs> just the sure. attitude and the. <laughs> I just love the back and forth between him and yeah. him and Debbie. <laughs> it's good. I, I like that. She um, and it definitely at this point becomes clear that like part of what she's using Toad for is just to make him make uh, Vic feel bad. Is just to you know show him that she doesn't need him. But he doesn't, you know, he's not too intimidated. And I like that she says, I, I, I know everything your dirty mind is thinking, and it shows. And she pointedly looks. <laughs> he like... looks down. <laughs> like, that, like that's, so, that's, a, that's a fun choice. But am I supposed to think that he literally has an erection right now? That, I know, that's I know. Not, that's kind of weird. <laughs> I think she's probably, she's just, I think it's just kind of a little attitude thing she's doing. I don't think she means it literally. Yeah, because she could be just, you know, tossing her head back and... Um, that one and the mo- the finger motion when she says, if brains were dynamite, she <laughs> yeah. does that little thing with her fingers. So it's kind of like, um, <laughs> I guess. Not much going on there. <laughs> and then he, unless I miss here, cause he calls, you know, who are you with? I- or who's your friend Einstein? And yeah. she's like, calls him tiger. I swear she calls him tiger. <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't quite tell. And I'm like, oh, he's probably all about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> He asks, you know, you want a knuckle sandwich? And he's like, no, actually, you know, I got <laughs> no. a, you know, a couple of chubby, chubby chucks. Double I, chubby chuck, yeah. It's a tongue twister. Oof. It reminds me, there's a, um, I haven't actually watched the whole, this show, but uh, I saw a clip of Atlanta, the Donald Glover show. Oh, yeah. Where he's trying to order, I just watched, it was like a scene that came up on YouTube or something and I watched it and it was. He was trying to order a kid's meal at a at a lo- at a fast food place, and the the manager wouldn't let him order it because he's not a kid. And he was arguing, he's like, "No, that that's not. You can order. You don't have to be a kid." And then he goes on this rant, like, "You yeah, and you don't have to be chubby checker to order the w- the double checker." It's like <laughs> that reminded always reminds me of that. You don't have to literally be chubby checker to order the chubby decker. And then uh, at the end, she um she throws a match at him, which I love. I wondered about that. <laughs> I like it. It's kind of badass. I didn't. I didn't see it coming. And she. Did, I, it's hard to tell because yeah, because um, oh yeah, she just throws it right out the window. At him. She kind of 
I just like her, you know, her attitude of, you know, three weeks, you know, you're busy for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, just how Toad is, you know, you really think I'm I'm smart or intelligent. And it's kind of like, I guess the way I, th- I look at it is it's hard to explain. Like we, you know, you said earlier, like, you know, she's kind of using him for her own means. So, you know, like, oh, yeah, of course you're intelligent. You know, I'm going to say whatever I can to butter you up. <laughs> but he's like, awesome. You know, you think I'm really. Yeah, I think, yeah, even when you know that it's not totally for real when, you know, I, I when I was in high school, I wasn't quite the dork that this guy was, but I definitely can associate. And when a girl was nice to me, that was a big deal. Like, even if it was just a small interaction. I definitely, I think even even though he knows, like, this isn't, she doesn't really, she's not really into me, but she's saying I'm smart and I'm nice and that that's going to be, you know, I'll take that. Oh, yeah. And I think she does mean that, too. Like, she might not be interested in him romantically, but I think at this moment, at least, she's she is appreciating him being there. Oh, yeah. And he really is a nice, nice stand-up guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> and he can get her uh, beer, maybe. <laughs> He's. Cause she's like, yeah, I can get you brew, and he's like, brew, like he's on. I like to me, he's like honestly confused. He's like, oh, liquor, liquor, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This place is too crowded anyway. Let's get out of here. And then it's <laughs> that bravado, like, oh yeah, I'm too cool for this place now. <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense. Totally, let's do that. <laughs> so you said you had a little bit you wanted to talk about with Charles Martin Smith. Yeah, I just I he's one of my favorite '70s and '80s actors. I think I uh, I had a strong impression of him from Starman, which is a movie I saw as a kid and uh, and appreciated when I was a kid, and I still appreciate it now. But he he's kind of a, a third lead in that, I guess. And he's he works he works for SETI, a search for a, a extraterrestrial intelligence. Is that what it stands for? And uh, it just that's. It's one of the movies where they talk about. It's like that and Contact are the two movies where they talk about SETI a lot. And uh, I, I, yeah, I just have a, a strong memory of seeing him. And whenever I see him, I just it it brings me back to watching Starman as a kid. Oh, that's awesome! I really r- grew fond of him in um, when I first watched The Untouchables. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the other one for sure. I love that movie, <laughs> anyways. But yeah, makes it all the more sad when uh, you know his character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, in that one, he is kind of set up as like, oh, he's you know, he's he's just a good guy trying to trying to do right. He doesn't. He he's an innocent, and that's sort of what he would what he would play a lot, similar to this movie. And one of my uh, favorite shows. That actually, my sister turned me on to watching one of those late to the game shows, you know, where I uh, started watching many, many years after it <laughs> aired was uh, Psych. And I was rewatching some of my favorite episodes. And there's one about um, a case where this guy claims he saw UFOs and his coworker had been abducted. And I was watching it and watching it. And for some reason, I was like, wait a second. And so um, I did a cast search and I was like, holy crap, it is, you know, it's Charles Martin Smith. I mean, he, once you know that you look at him and he has, you know, the basic say, his face, you can definitely tell. You're like, okay, yep. <laughs> he has, he has a very recognizable face. Yeah. I just noticed, I was just looking, she does kiss him in this scene, which I, it kind of goes by without much note, but that's, that's, yeah, 
That's nice of her, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna buy some brew for. Yeah, it's、here. after he agrees to do that, and she's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and then, they, of course, they leave, and then the waitress comes out on roller skates, and they they、uh, <laughs> don't get their food. And I guess they, you know, they didn't pay up front.、So. No, they didn't. <laughs> no great loss. Have you、uh, have you ever been to like a diner like this or a, a, a drive-in? I guess. Um, we have we had one in my hometown, kind of. I mean, it didn't have like people on skates per se, but it was kind、yeah. of one of those where you drove in and from your car, you know, you placed your order, and they had like um those trays that they would attach to your windows and bring your food to、yeah. you. <laughs> so a little bit, but not. That was, I think, the、yeah. only experience I've.、Had. The only one, yeah, I'm sure you could still find you, probably somewhere you could find one that's really going for the the vintage thing, and maybe even has people with roller skates. But、uh, I haven't seen that myself. The only, yeah, the closest you can get most is like a, a Sonic or a, a Burger Master is one that I've seen. I don't know if that's local to to my area. But then there's also in where I grew up in Seattle, there's Dick's Drive-In, which is a big Seattle institution. Great place,、um, and they will not come to your window. They don't have any of that, but they do set it up as they have the sort of the, the parking spaces around the the building, kind of like this one. How this one is set up, yeah. And you do have to go up and get your food, but then it is kind of set up in a way where you can eat in your car after and、uh, and just to stay parked there. Kind of. There's no、uh, there's no indoor seating. At all,、okay. so that's uh that's the one that sort of even though they don't have all the bells and whistles, it still it it definitely has the spirit of this, and you can get a you know a cheeseburger for three dollars. You know they keep the prices fairly you know accurate to the time too, although it's probably even cheaper then. But yeah, that's a great place if you ever go to Seattle. And、uh, like with this era, do you have? I know we don't really. See it here, but like drive-in movies. Do you have any of those around where you are? Oh, like a drive-in theater. Yeah, there are some. I actually, I, living in Portland now, I haven't been to the ones in my area. There's one, you know, kind of you drive maybe half an hour out. I haven't been to any of them here. I've I've been to, but I have been to drive-ins before, and I do think it's very fun. I I like it. I remember I saw I think Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, the last one. I think I saw that in a drive-in. That might be one of the one of the only ones I've and I've I've been I went when I was a kid a couple times, but I don't remember what I saw then. Me too. I remember seeing the Lost World. Oh, nice! And usually it was like you know the double feature, and sometimes it's like oh we'll stay for one. Because <laughs>、mm-hmm. I think Speed Two. <laughs> Speed Two Cruise Control. <laughs> yeah, random. Like you, you know, like you were talking before, it's one of those that feels like a dream. You're like, I think I saw that. Yeah, I I didn't know that was in theaters, but I I wouldn't have been totally aware of it at the time. I guess it wasn't that memorable. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu's not there anymore, so. <laughs> Yeah, I've always, I've been wanting to go to a drive-in theater because, especially that like that's the only kind you can go to right now, mostly. But I have I still haven't made it out. There's quite a, there's a few around where we are. And、uh, speaking of you know when they、uh, Toad kind of is basically saying like let's blow this popsicle stand. I love seeing him back out of that space. I don't know what it is. Just seeing that <laughs> big boat of a car in that turn is just like woof. <laughs> yeah, one thing I remember about this movie is that they it wasn't it wasn't exactly like the、uh, high octane thrill ride that I 
that I kind of was hoping for as a, you know, probably 13 year old or something. Yeah. Uh, it's a little more about the characters and the sort of the car culture. Mm-hmm. But I do remember like they, they, they drive these big cars around with a lot of reckless abandon all the same, just, you know, pulling in and out. And uh, I definitely appreciate I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, earlier in the movie, we find out that um, Steve, Ron Howard's character, you know, he's planning on going away to school, you know, to college, and he entrusts the car, his car, to Toad. So Toad is driving his friend's car and taking care of it while he's gone. So it's like, man, you know, I can't imagine being fresh out of high school and being like, yeah, sure, just take care of my car, drive it. I'd be like, no. (laughs) Yeah, I... I don't know if I, yeah, it's rare that I've driven a car uh, that someone let me by myself. I've driven, you know, obviously like if we're on a road trip and I, I'll take a turn, but they'll always be there too. Mm-hmm. Just lending someone a car for like a couple of, you know, however long he has it is, yeah, it's kind of a pretty trusting. <laughs> I also noted my last note was the big fuzzy dice. Yeah, me too. Yeah, which I like they that. really are huge. They uh, are. It's got to be a, a kind of a you got to block some some uh, sight there in the windshield, <laughs> and that of course that kind of brings it back to Star Wars in a weird way because they always the the Falcon of course with uh, Harrison Ford uh, American Graffiti star Harrison Ford has dice in his Falcon I guess yeah which of course which no one really noticed until the Last Jedi I didn't at least but then they brought they kind of made it more prominent yeah but that had to be George Lucas being like yeah it's kind of like a it's like a sports car. So he's going to have dice. It is. <laughs> so with this movie, most, you know, the main characters are like George Lucas has kind of said that they all, you know, with Steve and Toad and the rest of the main cast, they're kind of, they're all part of him growing up. Like each character represents a different part of his life, mm-hmm. I guess. So do you, between like Kurt, Steve, John or in Toad, those are the four main aspects. Do you connect with one of those main characters more or, or like relate to them more than the others Go as you think of going through this era of your life? This is where I, I have to, I feel bad I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. So I, I wouldn't be able to, uh, I, I don't remember the other characters as much. But I, as I say, I definitely can associate with the situation Char- uh, Toad is in here. Not literally, but like I, I definitely get it. It is interesting that um, Richard Dreyfus and Ron Howard and Charles Martin Smith are all kind of they're all kind of dorks. Yeah, and that definitely says something about yeah George Lucas growing up. Like he he made a you know a, a movie about car culture, but where the the leads are not the cool guys. And that's I think that's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, I think that covered all of the. No, that's what I have. Did you have any anything else you wanted to plug with your other works or podcasts? Yeah, sure. I'll just bring up the cast and the furious to get the the cast and the furious furiousest. <laughs> uh, yeah, we talk about very very different car movies than this. <laughs> Almost on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, we have a lot of fun on that show. Uh, we do the Fast and the Furious series one quarter movie at a time because, of course, they talk about living life a quarter mile at a time. 
And uh, yeah, it's come and come over and listen, hang out with us uh, on the the Facebook group, the uh, Auto Club on Facebook. We don't have a regular recording schedule. We started out as having one, but we just kind of do it whenever we want. And I've I've started to just accept that as well. We we just don't want it to be over. <laughs> we want to stretch it out as long as possible, because <laughs> eventually we'll run out of movies. You know, eventually. Which movie are you guys? Oh yeah, we are uh, just about to wrap up uh, the sixth one. Fast and Furious 6, where they're in London. It is a good one. Yeah, we, we got through uh, the, the first couple, or, although I've learned to appreciate all of them in their own ways. We've, we got to the, 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 big, the big ones, which are the later, <laughs> in the later in the series. We're in the midst of that now. Which it always surprised me, because I didn't think I would like it, but I really like Tokyo Drift. I like Tokyo Drift, too. Because it's like, oh, man, you know, you watch a first one or two, and, you know, Tokyo Drift goes... Kind of, you know, you don't have any of the regular characters really, but it's like it's really, I really appreciate that. I, I think the best way to put it is it has it has indie cred that the others don't. Yep. It comes, it's a small movie that you can kind of appreciate in a, a smaller way, and it's it's uh, but it's well done. Oh yeah, definitely. And listeners, for our podcast, you can join our Facebook group as well, Mel's Listeners Drive In. Look for us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And join us back here tomorrow to cover another section of American Graffiti, one song at a time. Vroom, vroom. <laughs>